This episode of Query is sponsored by Tomboy X. I am literally wearing Tomboy X undies right now as I am in, where am I? Ann Arbor, Michigan, in my bed, wearing my sleep, my sleep undies, which are some really great boxer briefs that are rainbow colored. Look, they're comfy. Here's what I like about Tomboy X. They've got a bunch of different styles, everything from bikinis, briefs, boxer briefs, trunks, and boy shorts to soft bras and racerback bras. They got everyday basic colors and fun seasonal prints. They've got sizing options from extra small to 4X. So friends, if you haven't yet, check out Tomboy X. Head to tomboyx.com slash query. You can check out their special pack pricing. Also, query with Cameron Esposito. I can't even say my own last name. Listeners get an extra 15% off with the code query. Again, that's query for 15% off. Ditch whatever you're wearing for a pair of Tomboy X underwear. Go to tomboyx.com slash query. Hey, Queeros, Cammie here. I just wanted to give you an update. I am going to be on tour this whole week. So if you live in Bloomington, Illinois, I will be in your city tonight, October 1st. Tomorrow on the 2nd, I'll be in Cleveland, Ohio. The 3rd, I will be in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The 4th, I will be in New Cumberland, Pennsylvania. Friday, the 5th, I will be in Philly, Boston on October 6th, and Providence, Rhode Island on the 7th. Then next weekend, on the 12th, I'll be in San Francisco. The 13th, I will be in Portland. And the 14th, I will be in Seattle. A lot of those shows are already sold out or close to sold out. So go grab your tickets at CameronEsposito.com slash tour. It has been so nice meeting all of you. Thank you so much to the great crowds in Chicago, Ann Arbor, and Louisville. See you on the road. This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart. And as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback. And I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros. This week on the podcast, I have the amazing Riley Silverman. Riley's a friend of mine and somebody I have watched do stand-up in Los Angeles for several years. Riley was also on Take My Wife. And I love this conversation, especially at the very end. We have like a very honest moment. And I'm so grateful to all of the guests that I have on Query who really make themselves vulnerable and, and open with me. Anyway, enjoy this episode and follow Riley's work. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still Good morning. Good morning. Uh, it is really, it is morning right now. Yeah. This is your, the first person I'm talking to today. How am I doing so far? So far, all the words have come out clearly and enunciated and everything. So <laughs> you have constructed sentences that I oh. understand and yes. I've been able to follow. You've actually just gave me a lot of information and I was able to process all of it. That's amazing. So. Also, you're drinking cold brew warmed up. Have you tasted it yet? It's actually not bad. It's not what the greatest. What is the vibe? Because I feel like it's, cold brew has like a, a specific taste to it. That yeah. It is unlike... Warm. Yeah, it coffee? definitely does not taste like hot coffee. I mean, it's, it tastes like it tastes. It does have that warm brew vibe, but like really hot. It's strange, and it does feel like in your head you should think this just tastes like coffee. But you're you're inventing a whole new thing. Yeah. Well, I'm not. Yeah, the studio is. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I'm happy with it. Congratulations. So it's it's good. Um, on this show, I have guests introduce themselves. Would you introduce yourself? 
Sure. I am Riley Silverman, and I I tend to so credits are like there's like I don't want to be such a hyphen it, so I tend to just say comedian and writer because I feel like comedian encompasses when I act as well. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I have done some dramatic acting uh, on your show as a as a matter of fact. Yeah, you were on Take My Wife. I was, uh, and I yeah. So I that was a little bit dramatic. I told some jokes, but I also had a really heavy moment. In that I episode, felt like you so. had some. You were doing some acting. Yeah, uh, it was a good real edition. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Um, how, how, let's see, I haven't seen you in, in a minute. You did, um, you did act on Take My Wife. You also consulted a little bit on the script that you were a part of. Yeah, that was amazing. You guys like really cared about making sure the story like rang true to the experience and that was awesome. I've used that as an example many, many times since then. Oh, really? Tell me more about that. What do you mean? Well, like when I first got the script, there was like one line, like that was first of all that I was even asked to look at it. Uh-huh. And then we, I mean, also I don't think people know that this happened and maybe I shouldn't be telling it, but we'll find out. You brought in a bunch of us to have like a powwow of like Oh yeah, no, reads. I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. feel weird about about people yeah. doing that. So yeah, we the right the writers room on Take My Wife was um it was all women and non-binary folks and it was like pretty racially diverse, but we didn't have um you know, like a, a, a this huge budget for this huge room. I can't remember how many writers were on the second season. It was like five or six yeah. total. So what we wanted to do was you know, and we wanted it to be women and non-binary folks writing the show because it was about women and, non- and non-binary right. folks. And actually at the time, um, Rhea wasn't even like publicly identifying as non-binary. So um, it was a very like women-focused show. It felt important to us to have like as many different perspectives on that in, oh, in the sure. room. But then um, we had a little – what we tried to do with the show was just like if we when, – whenever we um, thought we had like a – not a limitation. I mean we had this great writer's room, but it, again, it's not like – it wasn't like 20 people or – 10 people or whatever. Yeah. So we just set aside a little bit of money to have folks that were like in the LGBT community come in and consult on the scripts to make sure that we had like a bunch of eyeballs on yeah, all was, the jokes that we were making. It was a good day. I think I use a term now that I wish I hadn't just used. Uh, I think I use a term that may actually be racially historical. So I'm actually What did gonna, you say? I think I said powwow. And I'm realizing oh, now sure. maybe, that, maybe in 2018 yeah. that's a term that I can cut out of my vocabulary. I think – you know what? I think you're right. Yeah. So I'm going to say we had a we had a summit. We had a yeah. we had a like a consultation session. It was We're basically a, yeah, it was a, a rap ta- session. A like table read. Yeah. Um, and we brought in script consultants. That's what kind of your job was. And so you just came in for um, an afternoon, or I can't remember the if it was like a full day. I think it was like an afternoon. I think it was yeah. like, like like three or four hours, and, and we then, read like four or five scripts, and we kind of just like gave you thoughts. Like I think it was just like, hey, how does this read to you as a queer person from a different angle? Right. And it was really cool. And then uh, I sat after that with um, with one of the writers, and I think Rhea, but at least one of the writers, and we like talked about. My like my just in asking questions about my experience and mm-hmm. like there was kind of like the idea like oh we're kind of thinking of this character but we don't really have the, have her story written yet but like what do you think of these things and like what's your life like in regards to this and so that right. was really cool and then when the actual script came in I read it and then I just was like there was like one detail that was like sticking out to me like one little nail that was popped can you up a little even remember too hard. what it was I can only because it ended up being a thing that I didn't think about the effect of it and then you actually rewrote. A, a scene on the fly when we were filming because me changing this line in the stand-up changed the dynamic between these other two characters. So, like, you rewrote those two characters uh-huh. while we were filming the scene. And it was that the my character, while doing stand-up, was acting like cis women are just 
capable of all this magic that trans women don't understand when it comes to like feminine things or like products and stuff like that. And it's like, teach me your magical ways or whatever. Mm -hmm. Whereas I feel like the experience that I've had in the world is the exact opposite where I know all that stuff because I spent my entire childhood reading women's magazines and like studying that kind of stuff. And I have so much to learn from you. Exactly. (laughs) None of my childhood reading women's magazines. Right. I am the, I am, I am the (laughs) power femme. So I, I'm like, and I find that what happens is a lot of times cis women will give me knowledge that I have known since I was like 13 and then kind of smugly be like, welcome to being a woman. Like, it's like uh-huh. this thing. I've actually turned my version of that into a bit that I've been doing in my own standup since then. Oh, that's great. But I remember saying like, I think this bit would be funnier if instead of, and, and more true to life, if, if almost the exact same setup, uh, uh, punchline, but it was like, what if instead of my character being the one who's like, you guys are all like witches, we changed it to, do you guys think you're witches? And then I just basically, I do the same act out that was written for the character, but I just do it from the point of view of this is what you think you sound like as opposed to this is what you sound like to me. Oh, yeah. And then we had to change the scene because then uh, Maggie May's character gave my character nail polish and then she was coming to my comedy show. And I didn't think want you, you to like, seem like a jerk. Yeah, yeah. They were like, oh, now you're kind of being mean to your friend just yeah. doing a nice thing. And so we actually added in like Maggie catches herself when she doesn't say, like, oh my God, of course you got this. This is fine. Yes. And it, I think it played great and it made me really happy. And I, and I use that as an example whenever we talk about like why it's so important to have diversity on film sets. And I'm like, because something, if something happens where like a movie is shot six months ago and it comes out and we notice this offensive thing in it that nobody on that set noticed. It's like, man, what if somebody had just, if anyone in that room had gone like, hey, I'm part of this culture and this thing you're doing doesn't exactly land the way it should. Yeah, I love that. And that was a good example. I mean, I think, um, well, right. So part of the reason we had you specifically consult on that script, and that was season two, episode five, um, was because we wanted to have um, a trans woman who is also a comic and it also it kind of was you the whole time also you know like it wasn't like we were broadly um yeah. casting we we got to we get to cast the show ourselves so we we wanted it to be you the whole time and then you know I'm I'm a cisgender woman I'm like writing this character I didn't feel like I could for exactly the same reason that you're talking about I didn't feel like I could just like throw you a script and be like these are all the words that you're going to say you have to hit it perfectly right. I have imagined your experience or, yeah. and obviously Which this I've is, run into this a is lot also a character yeah. you know but I but I I feel like when the when you're working across identities you know even if it's a character it's important if somebody has personal knowledge and we should be using actors who have personal knowledge why right. why why wouldn't we exactly. um and so yeah that was a really cool part of working on um that show was that we did that with Sort of a, a lot of our actors who were, you know, like Rhea and I are white people. Rhea and I are, um, and I'm I'm a I'm a cisgender person. I, anybody who we were trying to make sure that we were expanding past our own identities, I was trying to invite the actors that we hired to collaborate because yeah. it makes sense, which is great. And I actually would love if more shows where it's like we just wrote you into the show. So if more, <laughs> if more shows just want to write. Riley Silverman into a show. I will gladly yeah. do that. Yes. And I also, you know, it wasn't like every uh, character also then like walked across the screen and then like spoke specifically about their identity. You know, like that right. That also was important to me that there were just moments where um, I'm interacting with folks and it's like – and it's more about what's happening in the moment. But yeah. as you know and as I know, somebody who's part of 
marginalized communities or multiple marginalized communities, it's like there are – this is part of your life in such a – you can't separate it out. Yeah. Like when I first came out as trans – because I, I had been doing stand-up for like seven or eight years when I came out as trans. And so obviously that had an impact on my act. But there was a while where I was trying to be like, oh, I'm not going to talk about it that much. Or I'm only, And I kind of like gave myself weird things for like, okay, if I'm doing a 20-minute set, I'm only going to do five minutes or less on being trans. The rest is going to be about other stuff. And it took me a long time to realize that everything in your life is about being trans or or it's not about being trans, but you're being trans is like, and being a lesbian is like your filter that which you well, see the world you're through. you're always you in it. Right? right. Like even if it's not, like that you're going up to uh, like drive through and being like, hi, could I have a hamburger but for a trans person? You're like, yeah. But I mean, I definitely do that, but <laughs> it's just like I have to make sure they get my pronouns right. Yeah, before yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. um, every time I go to a speaker, they do call me sir. So I have to like. So when when you said you were seven or eight years into your stand-up career. Yeah. And I, wh- what year would that have been when you were 2009. Like I started in 01. So it was, yeah. I guess it was eight years in. Yeah. So like I moved here in. When the hell did I move here? 2012? Um, so, yeah, that would have been like three years. I, but I remember meeting you very yeah. – Well, I, did, I didn't come out in L.A. I moved, I came out in Ohio and moved to L.A. after I came out. So I was already like an out trans. Right, right, like, right. But right. like they, that was in that weird fra- phase. I think when I met you, I hadn't started actually transitioning yet. Mm-hmm. I was just kind of like, yeah, I'm this person and I'm trans and I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm doing with gender yet. It turns out it's not as easy as people – it's not like – I think a lot of people think not unlike – like gay coming out that like you come out once and you're done and then that's you move on but it's actually like a long process and I, it was longer for me than most people I think I think I had a very spread out period of like between when I started telling people I was trans and when I actually like started taking hormones and mm-hmm. stuff like that and started working towards having my identity legally changed and stuff like that you know what's what's interesting to m- me about that just as a comic mm-hmm. is um how how much I understand that part of stand-up specifically, as opposed to like other forms of comedy, is um, you letting people look at you, like a comic letting people look at you, and and um, either acknowledging what you think that they're seeing or presenting a specific thing to the audience. Yeah. So I could Im- I could imagine that um, during that time, like the gap between when you started understanding and been speaking out about who you are and then when you started taking hormones that that that, that must have been like an interesting time just being oh, yeah. on stage and like absorbing eyeballs while um you're trying to figure out how you want to like walk through the world oh yeah i mean so much of my stand-up in that era especially was explanatory like it was very much me being like okay i know i look weird to you but it's gonna be okay like it was that kind of and well, i made you jokes pers- about did you it. feel like you looked weird i did yeah, and I, I felt like I had to acknowledge it and I had to call it out immediately and make a joke about it. What did you it. think looked weird? I'm not – and by the way, if anything yeah. is like – if you're just like, fuck you, that's too much, please tell me. But <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm curious because I understand the experience of taking up space on stage. Right. I think that to me – because especially because – so I, I approach my transition in a way that's not typical because of the public eye thing because I didn't want to quit doing stand-up. So I transitioned very publicly and I didn't wait. I, a lot of people who are transitioning will immediately start like when they're coming out and living full time will start wearing wigs or wearing like foundation products to kind of like shape their body differently. And they're kind of kind of like, oh, this is what I'm presenting and this is what I'm going to I'm going to wear these garments to kind of like put that look out there. And I and I 
sometimes I wish I could have been someone who did that. That kind of stuff actually triggered my dysphoria more than not doing it mm. in, in a way that, like, growing out my own hair did not. Like, when I would wear, like, a wig to try to, like, present that as my hair, it felt very costumey to me. But when I would, like, have shorter hair, I'd be like, no, this is me. So I had this very almost, like, um, purposeful attitude or deliberate the word I wanted to use where I let myself transition publicly because in my mind – I was always a woman, so like there wasn't a point in time where I felt like I was going to be like, okay, now you guys can see that I'm a woman. The idea that I had with, from the beginning was like, I'm a woman this whole time. So at any like, you know, I did this photo shoot for Modcloth in 2015 that was taken a month before I started taking hormones, but I still made them use female pronouns for me and made them like like. I didn't, and they were, I mean, they didn't make them. They asked me about pronouns and I told them they were female. I didn't be like, you're, this is my, my yeah. I didn't like break into their office and be like, when you yeah. publish this article. But I, you requested, it mattered to me. Your correct pronouns. Yeah. Because for a while I was very, at, I was very like trying to be laissez faire about it. I was mm-hmm. like, ah, call me he, she, or they, just don't be a dick about it. Like that was my rule. Sure. But people turn out to be dicks about it anyway. So, and I felt like I was like constantly, so I was like, you know what? If they're going to be dicks anyway, I'm just going to go with she because that's how I identify anyway. So, move on from that so with stand-up there was a very long period of time where i very much looked like a man wearing a dress on stage and for a while i embraced that and i was like yeah i'm a cross-dresser this is fine but when i started being like no i want to live full-time as myself and i want people to see me as the woman that i am my look didn't dramatically change that much just my own understanding of my identity had changed and so suddenly i felt like i had to i don't know like give a Rosetta Stone in my language between what I used to say and what I was saying now and what people and – and then I would go to shows where people hadn't seen me ever before. And so for them, it was just like, who's this guy in a dress on stage? And so I'd have to like open my set by yeah. explaining to them that I'm not – so I had this joke where I would – I don't do it anymore, but I would say like, don't think of me as a man in a dress. Think of me as a woman who's overcoming the world's worst body issues. And like that would be like a kind of self-effacing kind of like, see, I'm all, you get it. And then – you know, that was a good beginning way of, like, starting to address myself. You know, I I mean, this is, like – it's also interesting because – so 2009 mm-hmm. um, versus, like, 2018, I, I don't – I'm not some deluded person that thinks, like, wow, we've evolved so much. Yeah. But the specific space that you're talking about, which is um, a human, like – sharing their identity and not necessarily having to like hit certain markers of gender presentation yeah. to have that identity be true. I think in the last decade we've moved a bit on that generally in culture. Yeah. We're like in 2009 um you you really would have been I mean I'm imagining you would have been talking like every person you talk to would have not encountered this before yeah. versus now. And I mean, I'm a little bit like I live a very queer life and I live in L.A. And so like things are pretty my my perception of the world is like <laughs> is pretty, for sure is pretty queered. But I also think what you're talking about, like you're not the only person that I know speaking about this. Like I don't have to hit these certain markers right. for me for this to be my true identity for sure. Ten years ago. 
not the fucking case ever. Like you were right. probably always the first person people met that that was true for. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Especially especially being in central Ohio and even yeah. moving to L.A. Like I, L.A. is as, as queer as L.A. is and is, as queer as, as much as we keep queering it more and more. I think a lot of that understanding of gender identity is only relatively last four or five years. Or like most. one year. One you year, know, like yeah. seriously, because I when I think about um, just folks I've been like exposed to or like. There's a gym here in LA. Everybody, where yeah. like when I when I go there, I just see a lot of folks taking up like a lot of different spaces and presenting in a lot of different ways. Or, you know, people that have moved into um, like that I have been introduced to them in a more public realm, like uh, like Vivek Shreya. Mm-hmm. You know, um, she's an amazing musician and and somebody I've had as a guest on the show and like kind of deliberately isn't hitting gender markers. I don't mean deliberately. I just mean like is saying out loud like yeah. This there isn't there aren't like 12 hoops that I have to pass through. Yes. For and that you was to, very much my thought with yeah. I, when I started. Which is funny because now I'm at a point where when someone posts a picture from that era, I get like mad about it cuz I'm like that's not who I am anymore. Like I've changed. Like yeah. it's I still think that I was right to do it that way and I think that but I do think there is like a feeling of like I have gone on a journey and I'm no longer at that space that I was then and I would like to be acknowledged for the person I am now and the work that I've done on myself. Sure. And like so I I'm like I have a weird thing where like I have I have a folder on my Google Drive of like approved photos so that if somebody is putting a show together and they want to see a picture of me for the head the the, the flyers or whatever I go here's the photos you can use and when are they, those photos from like just timeline wise relatively like the last year or so they're mm-hmm. all pretty well also I've also lost a lot of weight in the last year and so that's also part of it like I mean I don't look like that anymore and it's also a thing where because I've been on hormones I look dramatically different every like six months or so. And so I don't want photos of me before that process started to be representing me now. Well, I mean, so again, it's – these are all things I can really relate to just as somebody who has – I mean, we are all um, shifting on stage what we're allowing folks to see and what we're presenting. Like I think that's – I think that's a a thing for a lot of comics. I also think um, especially for for women because it's like – we're on stage and the needle that we have to thread like just in general about the way that we can look is yeah. is so specific. And yeah. then you get on stage and it's like – I think there's just a lot of choices that, that you have to make before getting on stage depending on like what you're okay with the audience like, seeing. Like yeah. for instance, the idea um, – like choosing to wear a dress on stage is such a – specific thing. Yeah. For that, me, it's like pants, but the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I mean, like, I just look at, like, all the, you know, all the women I know who do comedy and, like, watching people decide, like, this is what I'm doing now. Yeah. This is how my hair is going to look now. I mean, I certainly have had this myself, um, making the decision to have, like, shorter hair on stage and how I feel that that has completely changed the way people respond to me, even though, like, I'm wearing from the neck down the exact same clothing. Yeah, But, yeah. like, I just have four inches less hair on one <laughs> side of my head and yeah. I am like walking through the earth in a totally different way. I totally get that. Yeah, yeah. I For me, I when I was first in that like transitional period, I was very much hitting, you know, I said I was high femme earlier. I'm not as high femme as I used to be, but I was wearing a lot of like vintage looking clothes and a lot of like really old school, like ultra femme silhouette outfits and like very like, like, 
era specific kind of clothing and not i kind of stopped wearing a lot of that kind of stuff as i've as i've gotten through things because i feel like maybe there was like a subconscious desire on my part of being like i need you to see that i'm a femme like there was like a weird oh, you're like hitting it a hundred percent yeah because and, you're like yeah because you want folks to like to like understand what i'm doing i'm gonna hit it a hundred percent right and now i feel like i've kind of dialed that back a little bit and i've incorporated a lot more nerdiness back into my look and a lot more just like casual like it used to be that like if i was like wearing an outfit to work and i had a show that night i would like definitely have to go home after work and like change into my show clothes and stuff like that and i'm i'm back out of that phase again where mm. now in the morning i'm like oh can i wear to work that will also work for show tonight if i don't get to go home before my show yeah so I feel like I've been like slowly um, transitioning into like being much more masculine on stage, and that's really. I wonder. If, I wonder if I'm like hitting my 100, and I will dial back from <laughs> like all motorcycle jackets all the time. Yeah. I'm unsure. It's I mean, very hot. It's a good look. It is I'm very hot. I'm extremely warm on stage. I've never all been a jacket comedian. I don't know how y'all do it. Oh well, no. I mean, it's like not 100 percent a choice. Like I feel. Well, I mean, it's a choice, but I just feel like um, for me, I have like kind of a larger chest than. Um, I, I actually I I like my body, but when if I'm if people are looking at me yeah. and they're and it's a, an audience of people and I'm trying to present them with something, um, wearing a like this is like like I was like walking around with like my top button of my like button down <laughs> button yesterday. I'm like, look how sexy this is. <laughs> I can't believe I'm letting you see this right now. No, but um, I just feel like. I feel like uh, what a motorcycle jacket does is, for me, it, like, hits me at my waist, so it makes me feel like I have, like, a um, – like, a, I'm actually – I'm actually – my body type, I don't – I can't do just, like, a straight up and down stick clothes, which is, like, maybe what I would want to do. Like, I would maybe want to wear, like, what David Bowie wears, but unfortunately, yeah. I have, like, a different body than David Bowie. Yeah. Um, so then I I feel like a motorcycle jacket hits me where I want it to be on the, on the waist, and then it also, like – there's a lot of business – in the chest area, yeah, to make you focus on that, so that <laughs> so that so that you're not like looking at my like kind of huge boobs. Um, yeah. But whereas I'm like wearing signs, like look, I'm getting them. <laughs> they're coming in. Look, look, they're here. They're so <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, they're yeah. bee cups. Um, <laughs> right. Well, I mean, this is all they're kind of hanging out and pointing other ways, but they're there. I swear to God. <laughs> I can't wear David Bowie type clothes either. Like I can't do like I I would love to rock that like cool chick in a suit look. But when I put on a suit, I feel like I look like a dude. Like I feel like it just that blocks out my body completely yeah. and I just I get so like nope, that's not me. And it just like I I have started moving a little bit into wearing vests again. Like I I I look very good in like a dapper yeah. vest with like sure, a but yeah. I, I do a vest and a skirt, but it's a cool like all right. Cause I've I'm so here for yet again. We've had a '90s revival, and it feels like it's like in full swing right now. Like you walk into Target, there's like a whole clueless. Collection. I was walking by teenagers yesterday, and they were time travelers, and they did not realize that they yeah. were wearing '90s clothes that were actually '70s clothes. Yeah, you know, like exactly. The '70s came back in the '90s, and I was like. You don't even know when those pants are from. But also, like, are those actually pants from the 50s? And then, by that, by the way, like, the 30s? Like, I just yeah. mean, is it every 20? What's happening? I don't I, know, but I'm here for it. I also makes me feel so old. I'm sorry that I'm your mom, um, but I, I guess I am. And um, is that what you feel most, most comfortable on stage? Is it 
like a skirt and a vest type of a thing? Is that what you would want to wear? I, I've only worn a vest a couple of times on stage. I, I'm trying it out as a new thing. I think I'm definitely most comfortable in like a skirt and top combo. Uh-huh. And like, or like, but like boots. Good, you wear boots. I do wear boots. I don't – I've kind of given up on trying to wear heels. I tried a little bit when I first came out and I I tried it one time. I was on an episode of Pop Rocket and Guy Branham made an offhand comment about we – were, we were talking about the movie Quiet Place. And Guy Branham made a comment like me breaking one of my kitten heels. And I was like, Guy, look at my feet right now. What am I wearing? And I had on a pair of boots. I'm like, have you ever seen me wear heels? And I got like so – like jokingly defensive but then I was like I haven't worn heels in a while let me try them again and I wore them one day and I'm like oh this is why I wear boots like I am I have completely just given over to being a boot girl and well I'm, I mean I also think if you're um, a trans woman I would imagine there's like there's a lot of pressure to uh, then be presenting in one specific right. way which is like you know which includes things like heels or like full makeup sure. or whatever you know, like I I've I mean, I, I can see that from from the vantage point of my well, historically, <laughs> historically, that's been part of like the gatekeeping of mm-hmm. being able to get on hormones. Like, oh, um, really? Like, yeah. there's actually a really cool story in Laura Jane Grace's uh, memoir where she talks about how when she was like in up like northern Florida, going to a therapist and trying to get on hormones, he like like one she like she like the he being the therapist not Laura Jane Grace said to her um like when are you gonna dress like a woman and in her book she's like I was wearing like a concert t-shirt but wearing women's jeans and like like a pair of like like just sneakers or whatever I that's how I like that's how my wife dressed is what she was saying like that kind of thing and then the next time she went in to see him she wore a sundress and he wrote her prescription. Like, so it was like this weird thing where like you have to hit these certain markers and, and it's still kind of prevalent. It was way more so back in the day. Cause when I was first coming up and I was like in like secret trans message boards on the internet and stuff like that, I was a little bit judgy of the people who were like ridiculously ultra femme and like pink, like feathery things and lacy things and like super. And then as I've gotten older, I've gone, Oh, that's because that's what they were forced into in order to get to live the life they want to live. And they're actually, they were actually trailblazing. And I should maybe stop judging older generations of queers for things that, like, I have not had to face <laughs> that they did and they overcame and they fought against. So Sure, yeah. I mean, number one, yes. And also, like, uh, it turns out that presentation is a spectrum regardless of what your right. gender identity is. Yeah. And, I mean, I also think... Again, this is a presentation – this is like a a pressure that's certainly put on – that I've certainly experienced myself, which is like even as a kid and things like that. And then like as a teen, like trying to figure out like what was going on. um, I think the last time I wore a dress was my grandmother's funeral. But like being a cisgender lesbian, you can – there's a whole culture that Mm -hmm. then like – I can pop into and just be like, no, this is what's happening. Doesn't mean like yeah. when I walk down the street, there's nobody like staring at me. Um, but it does mean that like at least people have like a reference point for what I'm doing. Right. And that's actually a big reason why I'm wearing boots all the time besides the fact that I love them. But also like I'm wearing Doc Martens today because when I was in the 90s, I wanted to be that cool chick with the yeah. like circle, circle skirt and like – or like – a-line dress and a pair of docs. Like, that was, like, what was in my head as, like, what a cool lesbian chick was. Oh, my God. That's and, so yeah. great. You yeah. do actually dress like – that's so – you do yeah. actually dress like uh, somebody who listens to grunge in the yeah. 90s. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so that's – and there's there's a running joke that I've heard many times in my life that, like, what trans women dress as is whatever was cool when we were teenagers because that's what we, like, fetishized in our oh, heads. Yeah. I mean, fetishized not in the term that is going to get me <laughs> angry on the internet. Uh, I mean, like, just, like, what, like, as a – 
like a cultural token in our head. And like that like has stuck with me. And it was so funny because it was one day where I was like, boy, am I really glad that the 90s came back so no one knows that that's what I'm doing? Because <laughs> it is definitely, because I remember when I was first, I was super closeted still and I was doing road comedy and I drove to a gig in Michigan and there was like outside Detroit, there was this small little shop that I found about on the internet that sold clothes for trans women and cross-dressers and stuff like that. And it was like a little secret shop behind this auto body shop. And I like made a trip out of my way. Before I had Google Maps, I had like a map quest printed out that took me from my house to this shop and then from this shop to the hotel for the gig that I was I was doing. And I like went in and I was very excited. Like they have clothes for me. This is going to be great. And I got in there and all the clothes look like they had been taken from like extras on Dynasty. They were all like very extravagant, like those kind of dresses that like 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 someone's mom would wear on a cruise ship like mm-hmm. that kind of thing like big shoulder pads like body contouring or like rhinestones around the neck collar and it was none of the stuff that I would want to wear and I was like so like what is this this is for me what what are we doing and so it's now I feel like I'm that version but I'm a couple generations later so now for me it's like yeah let's get some circle skirts let's get some let's get a lot of plaid let's get all the plaid that we can and all the boots that we can and some choker necklaces and yeah it's been great how did you find that place like it was like again it was like just like randomly googling no like mentioned on like a message board somewhere i think they ah. sold clothes on the internet as like a mail order thing and uh-huh. then they also were like you can also come to our shop and we're in this place and and like the general um the reason to go somewhere like that is like physical safety and yeah. also like range of sizes yeah that was a big thing for me i was pretty chubby when i was in like late high school early years of stand-up and so it was very very hard for me at the time especially to find women's clothes that both fit me and were flattering on me eventually i found like target actually was a store that i was able to find a bunch of stuff that fit me if i had the confidence to go into a store and buy things but typically i was always trying to shop at thrift stores or always trying to grab like a thing here and there and keep it secret and stuff like that so do you find um do you worry about your safety or Walking into a store now and trying to figure out, like, trying on a skirt or something like that. Like, I, I have no idea what that experience is like. I know what it's like to walk through the men's section at Nordstrom. Yeah, they're pretty nice to you. <laughs> if you want like a, if you want like a tailored men's blazer, yeah, and you're me, they're they're pretty nice. To well, you. I mean, they think they're going to get commission off you. They're going to like you. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you're very charming too. So I think people are like, ah, oh, this is fine. I mean, um, I, I, there are definitely stores where I, like I feel. Yeah, uh, less comfy and and like I'm a little worried to walk in there. I, I buy yeah. a lot of my button downs, um, again mail order because it's because it's like less stressful. Yeah. Um, but what's the experience? It's like very for you? much a mileage may vary kind of thing. It depends on where I'm at and what the situation is. Like when I go home to visit my family in Ohio, I'm not as excited to like go in dressing rooms and stuff like that. It depends on where I'm going. Like I remember I had an issue this past year where. The dress that I had pre-ordered for New Year's Eve because I was doing – I was headlining a New Year's Eve show in Portland and I had ordered this dress and it was supposed to come in before I left for Ohio so that I would have it. So when I got back from Ohio, I could jump on the plane to Portland and have this dress ready. The day before it was supposed to arrive, I got an email from the designer saying that there was been a mistake with the fabric and they weren't going to ship them out on time. So when I went home to Ohio, I had to find a dress for New Year's Eve. And so like my mom and I went shopping and I had to go into like – we were like in Kohl's. We were in like Target's and we were like in like like other shops that like just like sold – discount like designer clothing or whatever and I there were definitely depending on what store we were in where I'd be like I don't think I can go try this on or I don't think I'm gonna feel comfortable and I could see like the eyeballs on me from certain salespeople but typically I find that like big chain stores tend to 
because they're so afraid of like having some sort of like public backlash against them. They mm-hmm. tend to be pretty chill about it. So then I guess I'm more afraid of what other shoppers are going to think and do. And so I kind of just keep an eye out on like what the behaviors are like. If I see like – if I see parents with kids that feel like they're like – being defensive of their kids for no reason, then I'm like, okay, I'm not going to go to the restaurant just room because I don't want to put myself in a situation to where I can be accused of something that I know I wouldn't do, but that I wouldn't just have that vocalization. Yeah. So. <sighs> but it's it's very rare. I mean, but it's like, you know, it's wild because it's yeah. like just trying to get clothes. Yeah, it's better <laughs> just now than clothes. it was. Yeah. But it, there's still, yeah. There was, a, there was a period of time where most of my clothes were bought online for that reason. Mm-hmm. When I was kind of in between like looking like I was and how I am now. But mm-hmm. now I feel a little bit more safe. Yeah. So. I mean, again, it's not the same thing, but I certainly understand having to figure out um, some complicated sizing based on like yeah. what's going on with your bod. Because I'm like – I mean, I really like to wear menswear, um, but I'm just I'm just small for the types of clothes that I would want to wear. Like yeah. I'm just like – I'm just a small – And I'm a little – just like a short person. Yeah. So. I'm on the larger side, but not as big as I used to be. But what also happens is, like, you know, I mentioned I have a B cup, but, like, normally women that are my size would have, like, a C or D cup at least because typically, you know, I would be in, like, a like around a 14 range in style. Like, I, I, I kind of run between a 12 and a 16 depending on the cut. And so I do run into a lot of things that would normally fit me, like, fit my waist perfectly and everything, but then, like, it's just, like, way baggy in the chest because it's, like, designed for stuff that I ain't got. So so what do you do in that situation? You get it tailored or do you find um, a different dress or what do you do? I find a different dress. I, I'm still afraid. That, that's the thing to talk about fears. I have yet to have the courage to go into, like, a seamstress shop and be like, hey, I need you to measure me like I'm sure it would be fine, but I just don't know. And it's like a thing. Like it's like one of those things where it's just in the back of my head. Like I don't know what to do with this. And there's a there's a couple of comics that I've talked to who do altering on the sides, and it's just been a matter of like not working out schedules to like meet up yeah. with them and have them. Because I have dresses that I bought before I lost weight that are all too big on me but that I don't want to get rid of because I just bought them before I lost weight and it's like I don't want to get rid of these dresses but right now they're just hanging in my closet and not going so I'll probably end up just donating them and buying new stuff but you know I, I hear you I mean I think that one thing that that we have going for us or that you have going for you is like you work in this industry where um, other comics but also there are like costume designers yeah who it's like you just need to find your person. Like yeah. I just had to find like the person who does my makeup the way that I want. Oh my god, that's my what makeup I need. done. I need that so badly. Or um, I actually get my shirts taken in the back of the neck because the because the shirts that I wear like to accommodate my chest they're like huge in the neck. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get them taken in. And I just have to find like the person who, if I drop them off, like they'll just take my yeah. stuff in. But this is all a lot of privilege to live in a city where they're. You could find that one person who, like, doesn't give a fuck about the fact that this is a men's shirt and who is, like, also has the skill to do that. And there are certainly, you know, when I tour, a lot of times people ask me about clothing. That's, like, a question I get asked all the time because there are some folks on the masculine of center spectrum who are just, like, living wherever. And Mm -hmm. so I I do try to make, like, um, reasonable recommendations thinking about, like – I really do recommend Nordstrom because they – my experiences there have been positive and they do um, free tailoring. Yeah. Um, oh, I should go check that out. Yeah, you should you should check that out. That's um, good news. Yeah, yes. But um, but it's – you know, these are certainly like things that I think affect a lot of different types of people in our community in terms of just like – and this is just like f- one shirt. You yeah. know, like the, the like – the like <laughs> – 
Yeah. Well, like I have a, like, uh, yeah, yeah. The, it's like all my wardrobe. The, pres- the procedure that you have to go to just get like one garment right. that you're like, oh, this makes sense to me, you know? Well, like when Queer Eye did that episode where they had the trans man, they took him to a tailor specialized in clothing for trans bodies. And it's like, that's wonderful if that's in your area. And I'm mm-hmm. glad they did that episode. And I think it was good to point out to an audience, hey, it's not as easy as you think it is just to go buy something off the rack. But I also think that the solution they had, which is good to know it exists, is also like, okay, okay, well, what if I live somewhere where I don't have a shop like that in my area? You gotta have access. You gotta have also, like, extra moolah to be able to do that. Also, I don't know that, because there has been, like, this revival in, um, like, menswear. I wish there was a better word. It's every menswear, but, you know, like, menswear that um, is, like, sized and available for different bodies. Like, I know the places and the names of the places that'll do that, but I I don't know of an equivalent that's, like, we're a made-to-order dress company or we're a made-to-order, like, suiting company but we're specifically doing like a more femme yeah there's one cut. there is a company that I'm, I'm i'm sure that people will tweet at us to tell us to go here no so yeah I'll, tell yeah. me tell there's me what a, it is well for feminine stuff there's a company called e-shakti that like will what is it e-shakti and they will actually like customize your clothes to your measurements oh, cool. i have had good and bad experiences with them i feel like they're like their clothes could be better but that's one that i know exists but they're Definitely needs to be way more and one that doesn't ship from across the world mm-hmm. and yeah. Do you have any recs on places that you find a lot of success? Um, it's tough because everyone's body is so different. Like I run into stuff like I've I've had some really good luck with Modcloth, but mm-hmm. that's also a company I've, I have I have like a relationship with. Um, boy, I wish I did ASOS, but no, not I the mean, customizing I, stuff. I don't but have I, as much. Well, not yeah. just the customizing thing. I guess I just like you know it's I think it's something that also like when you find your thing. Then um, you're like, oh, this is my thing. But I, th- but I think it's cool to, yeah, for you and I to share like the places that we've had success. Um, I'll tell you, if, if you're if you're a nerdy girl like me and you want some really interesting like nerdy stuff, I've become a big fan of Elle Hoffer Designs because she does these things that are like she's based in LA. She's a small company, and a lot of her stuff is like designed to be. It's not nerdy and like it's not branded content. It's what they call like like bounds where it's there there was this whole culture called Disney bounds where Disney wouldn't let people wear costumes in their park because they didn't want to like throw off the oh, wow. copyright so people would dress in color blocking or ways that like evoked a character without actually dressing as that character is so that still true can you no no because they, ha- they sell the costumes but they, you can buy this you can buy the stuff they sell yeah and it's for for children there's no rule it's for adults for adults it was basically so they wouldn't have adults <laughs> running around dressed up as as like snow white yeah and then, like, slapping, and then slapping, like snow white's just like straight up this is my job yeah and i went to theater school for this yeah and disney is very concerned about their character's behaving in a way that's like oh in God. line with their point of view. <laughs> Whereas like opposite, if you go to Harry Potter world at Universal, you can buy the robes and I've got them. I've got my Slytherin garb I know, all ready to I go. I have to straight up say like the stuff that you are into, <laughs> like this is, you are all the way into that stuff. I, I, I do. You yeah. are fully <laughs> I do. entrenched. I Because I kind of think I'm like somebody who loves like action and sci-fi movies, but like, um, but I don't know. I literally yeah. know, like, I don't know what the fuck you're posting about ninety percent of the time <laughs> because fine. it is like you are hard. Just assume it's Doctor Who. Yeah, if, if you, you are. Well, and I've got I've gotten really back into D and D lately too. So it's either Doctor <laughs> Who or D and D or a Doctor Who D and D type. And D and D is Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. Yeah. I've this is a is this really a is this lately. a game that you still play? I I as as in still as in I just started playing it again this year. Yeah, I played oh it. I gosh. played I played a game that was like D and D when I was younger, and then I stopped because of like friendships separating or whatever and then I played again 
uh, towards the end of when I was living in Ohio, and I actually stopped then because it was kind of – I just couldn't make it work on my schedule when I was doing comedy on the road and stuff. And then I fell off of it for a long time, and I moved to L.A., and I started meeting more and more nerdy people who played specifically D&D, which I had never played at a younger age. And I was like, I want to get back into this, but then everyone played this game that I had never played. And so I was like, well, no one's going to want me in their game because I don't know all the words that they know. And I didn't play it for a long time. And then I finally got back into it this year, and now it's like taking over my life again. Oh, my so. God. I have so much, fo- so many follow-up questions. First, I want to just say, <laughs> yeah, Jordan, can you – I don't know what happened. Why is 70 – why is when the studio is set to 70, that's – that feels like a snowstorm. <laughs> when it's set to 72, it feels like the yeah. center of the earth. Yeah. I think Would the you AC like to talk us. to me about – yeah, the difference talk- between those two degrees. Those- yes. It's true in the house, This too. is hot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so hot. Yeah. I couldn't be more yeah. warm. I, had all, I, but, I was excited that I could wear but, my jacket in here earlier, and then I was like, nope, yeah, that's she not was, happening. She, very excited. But, but can I tell you that having gone through the cup now, cold brew coffee served hot is way stronger than regular coffee, and you have to be really <laughs> careful how much you drink yeah, it. Yeah, cold brew coffee. I am coffee feeling so jittery all right the now. Ton- all the, I know. What do you need, a snack? I, I'll be okay. I just, yeah, <laughs> yeah can I get some um, I get some crudite. I uh, That'd be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> this week's episode of Query is sponsored by Outdoor Voices. Outdoor Voices makes high quality, active apparel that will take you from gym life to everyday life seamlessly and fashionably. Outdoor Voices clothing is engineered for performance and designed to have fun with fabric offered for every single type of activity. Their signature textured compression hugs, sculpts, and supports you as you hike, jog, and walk while their tech sweat material wicks away sweat and keeps you dry. Outdoor Voices has a ton of different styles. I have ordered from them some men's shorts. I can't wait to try them. I don't have them yet, but they look great on the website. And once I get them in, I promise I will tell you more about how comfy they are. Outdoor Voice is available nationwide at OutdoorVoices.com and in Outdoor Voices shops in select locations across the country. You can go check out their website at OutdoorVoices.com. And if you head to OutdoorVoices.com slash query and enter the code query, you can get 20% off your first order of $100 or more. That's OutdoorVoices.com slash query and enter query for your first order of $100 or more. Get them sweats! Today's episode of Query is sponsored by Backblaze, which offers unlimited cloud backup for Macs and PCs for just five bucks a month. Backblaze backs up documents, music, photos, videos, drawings, projects, all the stuff that I'm making on tour to promote my tour. I could back that up on on Backblaze. Look, you can access your data from anywhere in the world, on the web, or via your phone. Best of all, you can restore just one file or all of your files. If you have a complete system failure, you can purchase a hard drive with all your data on it, overnight it via FedEx and restore by mail. What? That's incredible. You can even return the drive and get a full refund. Backblaze has over 600 petabytes, petabytes of data under management. That's such a large number, I literally don't even know how to say it. Five bucks a month for full backups. Visit backblaze.com query and you can get a 15-day free trial. Friends, don't lose all your stuff when your computer crashes. Go there, play with it, start protecting yourself from potential bad times. Start today. But yeah, Wait, I, I want to talk to you about um, Doctor Who. Oh, Why please. do you like this show? Uh, it's great. No, I like it. There's a boy I've 
boy, could I do a whole show on that. And I have. I There's a lot of themes of renewal and of like finding yourself and stuff like that, which was really important to me, especially as I like when I was starting to transition that like I was already into the show. That's what kind of made me. When did you find it? it. I found it around, I want to say 2010 or 11. Okay. And I, I, how did you find it? What was it on? Uh, like people just told B- me about it, and B- I was like, "Like you were like importing it from the no." UK. It's, how does it's, anything work? It's there, does anyone know how? TV well, works? there's this thing called the internet uh-huh, yes. that allows things to travel. You around can watch the world. it. By the way, but I'm also, freezing, just so you know, just okay. The, the AC got turned on 30 seconds ago, yeah. and I couldn't be colder. By yeah. the way, leave it on. Yeah, I just um, want to say leave it on, but like, what's happening? I found it. Basically, there was this is so nerdy. There was a spinoff of Doctor Who called Torchwood that. We were working on episodes of at my day job at the time uh-huh. and doing closed captioning on them. And it was actually, and I was like, this is kind of cool. And I was like, I want to watch this, but I'm a nut so completionist. So That's I couldn't an start. Anagram. Yeah. Right? Torchwood, yeah. Great um, job. Look at you. Yes. It is. Anyway, I'm very going. impressed that you got yeah. that. Yeah. It's, a tor- it's an anagram from Doctor Who. <laughs> so it was a thing that I was like, well, I'm going to start from the beginning of the new... And then I was like, I, I want to watch this Doctor Who show, but it's got 50 years of history to watch. And I thought I had to start back in 1963. I'm like, well, I'm never going to do that. And so I didn't watch it for a long time. And then someone was like, no, dummy, you can just start with the 2005 reboot and just watch it from there, and it's fine. And so I started watching it, and then I've been hooked ever since. But what I like about it is it's a show about empathy. It's a show about... Like, it's it's not... it's. Much like the way Star Trek is, where Star Trek is all about the idea of, like, hey, what if in the future we weren't dicks to each other? Doctor Who is very much a show that is about, like, the, the main character doesn't carry a gun, doesn't try to get into fights. Like, he or she talks about what's happening and, like, tries to understand where their villains are coming from. What and is their job? Like, they, they the, go into a place and they use a magical screwdriver. Yes, they, and they fix cabinets. fix yeah. the problem? So it's kind of a almost an anthology series with like a running like main character like basically mo- in most episodes the doctor arrives with their companions on a new world or in a different time period and they're kind of just exploring they're kind of just like mucking about the universe having a good time and looking at things and then there's like oh something is weird here what's going on let's investigate that let's find out what's happening and then usually like there's like an alien that's causing some sort of like like menace or whatever and then it's like how do we solve this problem oh I figured how to solve this problem well we solved that problem now we're gonna go on the way so it's quantum leap sort of yeah okay it's a good way to look at it. Yeah. yeah. It has that same kind of vibe to it, and it's very much – and it's just like there are occasional arcs. Like there's like seasonal arcs or like there's through lines between them, but most episodes are pretty standalone. And it's just it's, the message of it is very – like the last – the doctor, Peter Capaldi, one of his last episodes, he had this whole speech about like I don't do what I do because I hate people or because I want to win because I just want to be kind. Like kindness, can you just try to be kind to people? And then like that's the thing – that's the right thing to do, and it's just – like, that's a message that I try to keep in my head a lot. And I don't always succeed. I fail. But I like, I had a situation where like, this happened this over the weekend, which is why it's fresh in my head, where I was having – I was really frustrated with the response that I, I was t- – this woman messaged me on OkCupid. And the beginning of her message was that, like, she's like, you are totally my type. I am totally into you. And I'm, you know, but, but when can we meet up? Like, she was, like, coming on to me very strong. And at one point – she was like, I can't believe how tall you are. You're so tall. Are you Scandinavian? What makes you so tall? And then she's like, you must be like, she's like, I like, I like a tall woman. And 
there was a moment where I go, I don't think she knows that I'm trans. And I've never been in a situation before. And I don't think that I typically will be. I think it's just occasionally doesn't re. I, I think that I very much am clearly trans when people talk to me. But she didn't. So I messaged her. I just kind of like gently said, like, do you are you aware that I'm trans? And she responded with this very long kind of insulting message that very much whittled me down to just my penis and was basically like, well, I don't want that in my life or whatever. And it was like kind of hurtful. And I also, it was like the manifestation of like an insecurity that I had just expressed to a friend of mine like a few days earlier. So I was really upset and it would have been really easy for me to have just like blasted her and been like, you're so transphobic and you're a monster and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, I don't want to be that. Pr- I don't. I don't want to meet this kind of ugliness with more ugliness from myself. I just want to meet it with. I want to be kind to people, and I want to move. And so I just responded with like a very quick, like, I hope that you find someone who is a better match for you. Like, I hope that that's. I hope you. I wish you luck. And then I just unmatched her and didn't talk to her again. And like she had sent me pictures of her, and I was like, I'm deleting your pictures. Don't worry, they're gone. And I hope you find somebody. And too bad. And I, and I moved on. And like I was bummed about it, but at the same time, it's like. I don't want to – I'm trying to be more like that. I'm trying to have that idea of the world. And like like last year when you know the president just decided on the toilet to ban trans people from the military and post about it on Twitter, like my response to it was like I'm going to raise money today for Trans Lifeline because I know that this news is going to be hard. For, like it's going to – it's like we're going to have a day where people on the internet are just going to be hurting because they're being talked about so horribly and they're going to be wanting to make phone calls today. So – Let's make let's raise money for this organization right now so that they are equipped to handle these phone calls. And like that's you know, that's me at my best, I feel like. And that's not how I am every day, but I feel like that gives me tent poles to to reach towards. And I I a hundred percent believe that I feel that way in part because of watching Doctor Who. And it's like Oh my god. Yeah. Okay, well I I mean <laughs> I think I think the show has changed. So anyway, it seems like a fine show. Yeah, um, so it's entertaining. But I, yeah, I do. I do think that the I am a better person because of watching this show. Wow. And it, like it's it's very rare that a show has made me go, hey, the way that you approach the world can be angry and, and spiteful, or it can be this way, and maybe try being this way. And that just resonated so much with me that I'm like, I am going to try to be more like that myself. <sighs> I can't really imagine the. Um that specific scenario that you're talking about, about like a full-on rejection because of a part of your yeah. body, um, that is – that does sound so painful. I'm really sorry that that happened to you. I feel like it happens more often than is expressed. Like I think that – I think that it's – you know, I I am very much – I don't like the fights on the internet between – TERFs, quote unquote, and trans activists, where it's like this whole back and forth of like you, if you, if you are lesbian, you have to date trans women, and we're gonna we're gonna assign them to you, and you're gonna be forced to marry. Like there's this weird like everyone's fighting it at the angriest possible point they can have. And my my mentality is sort of like I don't want to date someone who finds me repulsive. Like if 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 someone who is a, a queer identified woman doesn't see me as a woman and thinks of me as a man and does not want to date me because they think I'm a man. I don't want to date her either. Like I, I would never want to date someone who made me feel that ugly about myself. So that's kind of my mentality. It's like you don't have to date somebody you don't want to date. Yeah. At the same time, in the case of this woman on OkCupid, she was very attracted to me. She was she her first message to me was you are exactly my type. Like she was someone who saw me as a woman, wanted to be with me as a woman, and then found out this one detail and then suddenly threw me out the window. And that's 
that's where I think like that kind of attitude can be called into question because yeah. for me, like yeah, I have that body part, but I, I just made a tweet joke about this the other day where it was like, it's like I have a CD player in my car, but I haven't used it in like five years, and I, <laughs> I have attachments now that solve problems. Like, <laughs> like yeah, I think That's it's presumptuous. Joke. Thank you. It's presumptuous to assume that because someone has a body part that they definitely want to use it during sex. And for me, it's like I have a lot of dysphoria about my penis. And like I just don't have the I don't have the privilege of the life situation to to get that taken care of. I got I got it partially done. I had a little I had like a mini job earlier this year. I had I had a partial gender confirmation surgery, but that's it. And that's probably all I'm gonna ever have. Or at the most I might have something else but more minor and that's probably gonna be it because I don't think that I'm ever gonna be like just a wash with money that I'll be because I'm I'm a marginalized comic. What I don't have health insurance by my trade, so mm-hmm. it's it's fine. Uh, I'm I'm not super dysphoric about having it. I kind of forget that I have it until it gets inconvenient, and that's it. And it's weird because like for me, when it comes to like sex and dating, like I've it's it's weird because it's this idea that like, because I have it that that defines how I have sex. But I have dated plenty of cis women who don't like it when someone goes down on them for example like they're not into like it's like they have like a, a mental thing about it and like it's predates when i've dated them like it's like my maybe like they had a shitty ex who did something that made, that made them uncomfortable and it's like not a thing that makes them feel good so we just don't do it you know and it's like well okay fine i like you i will find other ways to please you or we will find ways to do things together and it's weird how like that kind of empathy for your partner suddenly stops if that partner has a penis like it's it's just so yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't. I didn't mean to get somewhere. I didn't mean to say penis so many times on this show. I, I, I feel great about it. Yeah. Oh, good. I, I feel yeah. um, like pretty honored that you shared that level of. Um, that was really honest, and I and thank you. And no, I mean, I I think just to kind of start back at some of the beginning of what you're sure, talking about. Sure, I did about, rant a lot there. <laughs> no, no, no. I that's not what I'm saying. I just I feel like first of all that thing that you're talking about, which is like people fighting about um, like cisgender lesbians, and then. Pres- I I actually don't think I think that that conversation is it's to me it's posited from a false place. I <laughs> like I feel like it's obviously it's super heightened cuz it's one of those really heightened internet conversations. Yeah, yeah. But I also don't even feel like I feel like nobody is actually saying that. Like I have yeah. never heard literally ever a trans woman be like you have to date me. That literally right. never. And as gay people that are cisgendered, like if you're a queer person that is cisgendered, you should understand that because that's the same. It's that that's a straight person being like, I don't want to change in a locker room with you. And you're like, don't flatter yourself. I'm yeah. not like in here perving on you, you know, like to to make you unsafe. Like, that's not yeah. how my sexuality works. Yeah, that's like assault or harassment. I exactly. like consensual sex where somebody's into me. Like, right. like I'm such a weirdo that I really like it when it's like reciprocated and good. And yeah, positive. and that's a, if, if someone is like that, that is a problem, irregardless of their, their has gender nothing to and do their with their sexuality, sexuality and yeah. their gender. Yes, exactly. So, like, um, it would feel like cisgender lesbians would be able to understand that because it is yeah. like. You know, that fear is something that we've experienced. Yeah, and um, I think, unfortunately, like, it's one of those things where an internet fight has caused a conversation to seem louder and more dominant. It's like than not it really a real is. conversation. Yeah. Nobody is saying that. Nobody wants you to do anything that you don't want to do. Literally, right. 
no queer person. Yeah. And like no trans person unless they are a bad person yeah. for a reason unrelated to those identifiers. Right. And someone and I will say if someone is saying that to you specifically, they do not speak for me as a trans person. Yeah. They or me as a queer person. Or as a yeah. lesbian. Yeah. Like exactly. either way. So that yeah, absolutely. So like that put so first of all, like on the record about that, this <laughs> is a garbage conversation. Yeah. Um, Honestly, that convo that I had on OkCupid okay is the first time I, I, I mean like I'm not look I'm not like I'm not killing the game but as far as Riley's love life is concerned I've had like one of the best years like numbers wise that I've ever had in my life and I don't think I no longer believe that I'm not getting dates because I'm trans like I think that there's like a lot of other stuff I think since I'm a giant nerd but I think um, but the thing that you're talking about on OkCupid okay is a little different than yeah. that conversation right that is actually like that's um a more personal evolution of because that's not actually coming from a from you right. being like you have to date me. Yeah. That's the rejection coming from right. the other side based on an assumption. Right, and um, that I do think happens. You know, like where <laughs> I don't think that trans women or, or cisgender queer people are forcing themselves on other people. Yeah, I do think that rejection outright absolutely happens. Yeah, and I think there are other trans people who, and maybe even myself at a younger age, who would have maybe lashed out at her more for that response than I did now. Like, I think there might have been someone who does make, like, try to shame her for having a, a preference in one way or the other, and it's But I don't even know if that is a preference. I guess that's what I would yeah. what I would say. I mean, of course you're allowed to have preferences. Yeah. Um, of course. And, and consent always is the most important thing. Yes. But, but I think, I think what it is you're worth saying going, why do like, I have this preference? Like, what, yeah. what am I assuming about this situation right. that may not be information that I have or something. And also, you you know, you said, like, and that's not a huge part of how I have sex. Well, like, okay, so then you're, I'm imagining a different per, uh, person and, like, their their genitals are a huge part of yeah. how they have sex. And, like, I guess maybe the real thing that, like, if this fake conversation about, like, you have to accept me isn't happening. <laughs> like, not, ex- not accept me. You have to fuck me. Like, if yeah, that yeah. isn't happening, a thing that I think is happening is – um, and should happen is like, okay, well, um, what are you open to? Right. Because what you're saying is, and I agree with you, I think your your point about like the going down on somebody, like when you meet someone, um, you don't know what they're into and you don't know what's going on with their body. Right. And that that has less to do with somebody – being cisgendered or transgendered and more to do with like an individual being an individual. Yeah. Um, So I do think that's something that's being asked for and that's a pretty reasonable ask. Yeah. The ask of like meet me, see if you're into me. That is the ask I actually hear. That's not this like inflated internet mm-hmm. ask. And um, that ask to me makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's like if, if I otherwise appeal to you as a person and you don't know how you feel, it's like I would never ever want to put someone in a situation where they have to do something sexually they didn't want to do. So it's like but what can we negotiate as partners? Like what can – as potential partners? Like right. what can we do that we can both be happy and satisfied? And that's I think how – all relationships should work regardless of what the dynamics are is like what are we both looking for and what can we both do to make each other happy and as opposed to being like this one specific thing has to be how it works and that's it right and i also i mean and, and also it you know it i think it's really important to say that um this part of your body is something that um folks have violent responses to yeah. in our culture and in and in the 
city that we live in and in this country. So I think that um, maybe, not maybe, I think it's real important <laughs> for uh, cisgender folks to try our best to de-escalate the um, I can't think, can't think of like the the stigma to de-escalate the stigma the same way that I think it's really important for like for for me to de-escalate the stigma about like um, cisgender gay men having butt sex or anybody yeah like any sure. gay man having butt sex because like in our that's so reviled in our country that it can like literally be a violence trigger yeah. for folks that are stressed for no reason about somebody else doing something with their body so I just think like I hope that uh, anybody listening or you know like abs do what you want to do yeah um, and like like the things that you like but um, if you're out there on the internet making like you know sweeping statements like do not delude yourself that you are literally making a member of my family yeah my LGBT family unsafe yeah. in a bathroom or on the street or going to work in the city that they live. And that that makes me angry. I agree. I that that I have a full stop on. So yeah, if yeah. you're like out there spouting nonsense, know that you are you there is an effect to yeah. what you were saying. Absolutely. Tangible effect. I totally agree with you. And like I said, you know, I know we're wrapping down, but I I would say that to like to trans listeners, like I think there's this feeling of hopelessness sometimes in the dating circle because they see these voices on the internet like condemning the idea of ever dating a trans lesbian for example and for me it's like I have I've dated a lot in the last year to like I've got my heart broken I've had great things happen I've had little things happen but I'm it's happening and I think that like there's this idea like there's all like a study will come out that says like this percentage of lesbians won't date a trans person or something like that. And I think that that can be very disheartening and it can make you feel defeated. But I think at the end of the day, m- most people that – no matter what your gender identity is, no matter what your sexuality is, no matter what your race, your creed, whatever, not every single member of the population is going to date you. That's just – and not every single population is going <laughs> to want you. But yeah. when you're talking about percentages of people, you have to remember that like – of a population is still a very large number of people. And also, it doesn't take a million people to want to date you. It just takes the one or the two or the three or whatever you're looking for. It just takes that small amount. Like, it doesn't matter if all the people want you. It only matters that the right people want you. I love that. I also would love to talk to the companies that are paying for that research and just ask them if there's, like, any other way they could spend their money (laughs) since that's, like, a really useless expenditure. Like, I don't know. Just, like, I can think of – oh, my God. I can think of so many things. Oh, like all the things. Like, you get – like, (laughs) like what if instead they just paid for, like, you getting dresses altered? Like, it's, like, they stop doing those polls. If we can make that happen. And instead all of that funding is just, like, If you have the ability to make that happen, I'm going to work on it. I'm going to work on it. I'm going to see what I can do. Yeah. Um, Like – I'm not even asking like, for my surgery like fund. I'm just asking for my dresses altered. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah. Like, send me your Venmo, and, like, I'll just, like, make sure to see what I can do about putting that directly in there. <laughs> um, Riley, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for, for being on the show today. Thanks for having um, me. And for all your candor. I, like, loved this conversation. And um, before we go, yes. before I send you off into your day, I just wanted to ask if you want to shout out a queero. I do. person, place, or thing that made you feel comfy being the person you are today. I mentioned her earlier in the show. I'm going to make my queer Laura Jane Grace, who is a singer. Um, she has a new project coming out. I can't remember. It's something in the mothers. But she's also – Laura Jane Grace. But she also was in a punk band called Against Me, which was a little bit after my time when I was like a punk girl. But she 
transitioned shortly before I did, and she was very like kind of punk rock, quote unquote, about her transition. She was very like public, and I remember meeting her at a record signing and stuff like that. And she did it somewhat similar to where I did, where she didn't like suddenly try to become this ultra femme. She just kind of was like, this is me, and I'm just going to keep living my life as I was, but I'm going to be living as a woman. And it was the first time where I saw a person transitioning where I went, oh, I could do that. Like that, the way that she's doing this, I could do it that way. And I think that that kind of finally gave me the permission to give myself permission to do it. Because I think up until then, I kind of was like, I want to do this. I want to live my life this way, but I have no idea how to do it. And I don't want to, ha- like, there's, there was like that thing I mentioned later about the ultra femme or like, like putting on this persona almost of like a woman that you would become. And I was like, well, I don't know any women like that. I don't want to be like that. I just want to be me, but live as myself. And when I saw her doing it, I was like, Oh, this is actually really doable. Rock so and roll. Yeah. And uh, where can folks find you and find your work? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Riley J. Silverman. And I actually have a comedy special that I just did for Season Spark. It's actually one of their originals productions. It's going to be launching on September 12th. And it's me and six, it's like six women comedians. And we're, and they originally weren't, they weren't going to promote it at all as being like all women. They were just going to like, it's a comedy special and it just happens to be all women. Like there's many, many that we've seen that are all men. But then what's all that's been happening in the last couple of weeks with people coming back to comedy that are problems, we're like, we can lean in a little bit the fact that we're celebrating the diversity of female voices in comedy. So it's called Everything is Fine, and it's going to be on seedandspark.com slash fine. And I think the website is live now. The trailer is up there. And it's after September 12th, and you can actually watch the thing on there, too. Amazing. Thank you. I can't wait to watch it. Looking forward to it. Thanks. Support for today's show comes from Backblaze, offering unlimited cloud backup on Macs and PCs, all for just $5 a month. Access all your data anywhere, on the web, or on the go via your phone. And you can restore just one file or all your files. The choice is yours. There's no additional charges, just $5 a month for full backups. Make sure you visit backblaze.com slash query so they know where you came from and continue to support the show. Receive a full, fully featured 15-day trial at backblaze.com slash query. Go there, play with it, start protecting yourself from potential bad times. Start today. Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season three has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, season three is a great jumping on point. And we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Eight nights. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Uh, yes, I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> Oh, Jesus! I mean, Jazos! <laughs> ruler of the Eighth Circle! And that's just the beginning. Season three of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.